Good morning. Yeah, we do have a baptism today. Um, so we made sure the water is really cold to see if their commitment's real. <laughs> no, we try to warm it up. But, you know, just think of the early days when it was done in a river, right? And uh, John the Baptist. And, you know, John's baptism and, of course, the epistles. Baptism is uh, identifying with Jesus Christ that you're, you're going under the water and you're saying he died. But that's not the end of the story, isn't it? It isn't just the cross, but it's also rising from the cross that he lives. Amen? Amen. And uh, we, getting out of that water, you're identifying with that. And it's a testimony as well. Paul says it's an outward sign of an inward work. In the, in the New Testament, it was, you know, circumcision, which you didn't know who was and who wasn't. Um, but the, the Bible says that the, in the New Testament, that it, it became something visible in the heart. You could see who was touched by the Lord by a changed life, you know? And that's why you knew who was circumcised because, you know, the Lord says many times that, you know, people say they're with me and they say it with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And uh, that's the exhortation from Isaiah. Uh, so we get a chance to do that. So um, probably about 15 after, a little bit after that, between 15 and 20 after, we'll have the baptismese come on up forward. Um, I am going to be preaching today out of Luke chapter 5 um, on, on really the calling of Jesus uh, to Simon Peter and his uh, pals. And uh, we've been at a sermon series called The Adventure at a Crossroads. That's the name of our church. It's kind of a local slogan name. Um, basically a local congregation of believers coming together. Uh, we're not the sheetrock. We're not the walls. We're not the administration. We're the people of God. Do I hear an amen? It's the people with different gifts. I'm not the only person with pastoral gifts. Poiment is a biblical word. That's pastor or under shepherd. You know, we, we all serve the great shepherd who is the Lord. Um, but we come together and we do it, and everyone's supposed to bring their gifts uh, to the church, not just on Sunday, but during the week, and we're supposed to share life and give love to the world. God so loved the world, he gave us one and only son. Uh, so if he gave that gesture, gesture and it you know, says, he who did not spare his own son, but graciously gave him to us, will he not also graciously give us all things? And, and there's a great promise there that the Lord doesn't just want to save us for some future, but he also wants to bring deliverance and call us to follow him today. And, um, and hopefully you're open to the Lord. And I just encourage you. A lot of times people hear scriptures and it's kind of like, I've heard it all. Um, I just encourage you, you know, the wise man listens, the proverb says, and he grows wiser still because he, he's wise. He draws out understanding. There's something about listening to the word and letting it come to life. So I'm going to pray and I hope you'll pray with me and ask God to just open our hearts that we'll have that kind of soil that fertile soil in our heart that hears the word and responds to it. And it's not, not just a written word. You know, the, the Greek word, many of you know, is logos, which is, you know, the idea or Christ himself is called the logos. In the beginning was the word, the logos. And he was with God and he was God. That's John 1. And so, Father, we come before you. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you and we come to you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for our Redeemer, our Restorer, who has brought for us redemption and forgiveness. And Lord, we don't want to just take that for granted and say, well, let's just go sin then, Lord. But we also don't want to just neglect the grace given us. 
And so we accept that grace and we say thank you. And we say thank you for wanting and desiring to be united with us and filling us with your spirit by not holding our sins against us. Your word says you throw our sins as far as the east is to the west. Lord, and that your grace is sufficient for us. But Lord, let that grace also turn into power to a transformed life. Lord, that we can walk like you, that we're being conformed to the image of Jesus. Not just to be a clone, but Lord, to express the uniqueness of you in our lives. And Lord, I thank you to make us a bunch of clones. Lord, that we all kind of look this look the same and act the same and dress the same. Lord, that you've given us uniqueness. Lord, like you say in your word, I am God and there is no other. You know, there is no God formed before me, nor shall there be any gods formed after me. And Lord, you made us in your image. So we have some of the uniqueness, Lord, that you've embedded us. Lord, the uniqueness as a man and Lord, and a woman and Lord, as mankind. And I pray that you'd express that. And I pray as we look at this forging of Jesus to a path for Simon Peter, it would come to life for us. So open up your word, Lord. Let it have life more than just me speaking out the words. Bring your spirit life to it. Lord, and contextualize it for each person here. They need to hear your words and let it be living. And so we just commit it to you. And if you agree with that scripture, can you just say to the Lord, amen, I agree. Well, you know, we started off with really looking at Joshua at the end of his days. We started at the beginning and kind of worked to the book and then looked at Jonah as well. And then we finished with Elijah passing the torch to Elisha, um, one prophet of God to another. And um, then sitting to the school of prophets and, you know, disseminating the giftings of God and the, the crossroads that Elisha came up to. And we saw that Elisha took, after Elijah told him to follow him, he basically took all his plowing equipment, broke it up into a bunch of pieces, took all his cattle, threw it on there, threw a big feast, invited all his neighbors and family and clan basically to come join him and said, party with me because guess what? I'm taking off. And then he left everything to follow Jesus. But in this case, he followed Elijah. And You know, it's not as if the Lord is just coming to your job and your workplace and saying, I want you to quit. I think a lot of these things happen in the heart. Do you agree? You know, it's not so much that just God's just saying, let it go. But he may be saying that. He may be saying, drop everything, follow me in this way. Um, But I, I want to emphasize a different part of this road. And I believe that our church has responded to this message. Um, that we've been coming across, how the word has challenged us. It's challenged me, it's challenged you. Where God's saying, move forward. And we see two roads. And we see this in our life all the time where we have a choice to go down a road that's gonna bring death. And the Lord says, this is the way of death, don't walk in it. And the Lord shows another road and he goes, there's life here. And you know, lust, it's, it's taking away from you. Love, it's giving. You know, it's greed over here. It's generosity on the other side. It's ungratefulness and complaining, and you're always the whiner and the complainer. Over here, you're thankful. You know what I mean? Here, you're constantly hiding your sin, pretending like you don't have anything. Here, you're confessing your sin. And, you know, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. So we don't have to come to church and pretend like we don't have any sin. Amen? Amen. But we don't have to come in here and flaunt our sin either. 
you know, as if, well, God doesn't care, it doesn't matter. Of course he cares, and God wants to purify us. And, and how many know that he wants to purify us for our own good? And if you're a parent, you know exactly what that's like. And you see your kid doing something that's kind of stupid, and you're going, don't do that again. How many can relate to this? How many have been that kid? Come on, you kids out there, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've done the dumb thing, and your parents are coming to you and going, hey, don't go down that way, that's death. Trust me, we know where that leads. It's not to deny your uniqueness or just to curb your fun, but it's also because we know the way of life. Well, Jesus is now, and this is what my emphasis is going to be, is not just the choice or the decision-making of God. And if you ever want to do a study, you you just look up the word thelos, which is the word will. You'll find that God's will is much more important than man's will in the scriptures. And just look at it wherever God's the object or the, the subject in Thalos is put into place, that, that the will of God and what he desires is very important. And you'll see that Jesus is going to call Peter. And it kind of goes contrary to the way that we think about things. In our culture, we kind of have sign-ups for things. Like, you know, do you want to be a disciple of God? Well, you know, we'll have a sign-up in the back. And then someone goes, well, I think I want to be one. And then they sort of follow him. But in the New Testament, we see Jesus, we see the Apostle Paul call people into discipleship. Do I hear an amen? This is what it is. He goes to them and he says, hey, Peter, hey, John, come follow me. You know, oftentimes the crowds start to follow him and they start to dwindle away and the Lord is calling them. He he watches us in the little details. I really believe that. You know, it's service. Be faithful with little, then you'll be faithful with more. You know this if you're a boss, You know, you see someone at your workplace who's working hard and and they don't care about the glory. You know that they're working hard for the company, for their family. There's a devotion there. And you notice that and you go, wow, they're faithful even when I'm not around. They're faithful with this. And it's not like the Lord's just looking for a pure heart because you're gonna see here that Peter does not have a pure heart and he knows himself. But just as the Lord looked at King David and said, You know, the Lord, man looks on the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. Trust me, it makes a difference. God sees us. How many want the Lord to call you? Come on, just to say, Lord, call me. And it's not like the Lord's just discriminating against you. But sometimes, just like the prayer that happens in secret, God values that so much more because it happens in secret. He knows that that's the kind of prayer that is only between you and him. It doesn't need the hoopla and the applause and all that stuff. So we're really going to focus on, we'll start with the story. And we'll start with number one. I have some subheaders, or six of them. Number one, and just just get this. Jesus sees you. Just turn to someone and look at them and go, Jesus sees you. Okay, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now this is the Sea of Galilee. This is just another term for it. This is Luke writing, so he, he's describing it this way. With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So they're listening basically to the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation. That's the translation they had back then. And it says, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats. Now say, say it with me. Say, the one belonging to Simon. Now, this is Simon Peter. It's not, he didn't just get in, uh, in any boat. He got into this particular boat, and you're going to see this theme all the way. And by the way, he talked to Simon. Even when Jesus gets resurrected, 
And the women come to him and they say, you know, we saw Jesus. And he goes, well, go tell him this. And he says, and tell Simon Peter. It's like they single him out. Because Simon Peter was really, he had blown it so many times. And I'm so glad guys like Peter are in the Bible, aren't you? You know, it's kind of like, Lord, thank you that the losers could come too. Right? Isn't that how it feels sometimes? Because Simon Peter is constantly blowing it, but he's also constantly growing with the Lord as well. And listen, Jesus picks him out of the crowd. He sees a couple boats, and it's like, here's some boats. Here's the one that belongs to Simon. That's the one I want. That's the one I want. It's like Jesus gets sometimes the Lord comes to us, and he gets into our boat. He gets into our house. He gets into our job. He gets into our workplace, and he, and he basically tells Simon, let's go. I want you to move out. I know all the crowds are right here, but I want you to, come on, let's go out here. I want to talk with you. And God has a way of taking us out of our circumstances and pulling us aside where we have that open heart to listen to him. And now this is what's going to happen. He is going to change Simon Peter's total view of his whole life and the direction it's going to go to. It was going in one road and one direction. He's the fisherman. He's got his job going. And what do you want to do? Make your job better, right? More money, more revenue. You know, whatever you're, you know, if you were on the S&P 500, now you want to be in the S&P 100. You want to continue to progress. You know, if you had this much, you know, growth 30% this year, then you want it to be 40% next year. And that's how our economy works. We got to get more. No one's faulting anybody for that. But this is Simon Peter's life. I want to make more. I've got to provide for my family. I've got to uh, take care of them. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Now, he's going to take him now, and he's going to say, I want to get together and talk with you. And how many have had this happen where, where you could tell that God is getting, he's trying to get through to you? How many know what I'm talking about? And it's like, I'm going to take you exactly where your fears are with your work. Because Simon Peter has been out all night and there's been no fish. He hasn't caught anything. All his buddies are going, we didn't catch anything. That's the dilemma they're in. And he's going to take them right to that place. He's going to conquer his fear. But Simon doesn't know how it's going to happen. And, he's going to, and the Lord's going to open up a brand new door for him. Number two, Jesus does not only seize you, but can you say Jesus mentors you? One more time, a little louder. Turn to somebody and tell them, say, Jesus wants to mentor you. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, so Jesus is speaking to them. He's kissing the word of God. He, he tells Simon in the boat, now put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, have you ever done the things that you thought were the right things and you didn't get the results that you wanted? And all of a sudden, the Lord's going, and you're frustrated, aren't you? I, I am. You know, I'm like, why is this happening? You know, I've already done this. And then the Lord's saying, remember you where you just were? Yeah. I want you to go to the same place. Yeah. And I want you to let your nets out again. And it's kind of like, Lord, we've been doing that all day and all night. Okay? We didn't catch anything. Whatever vision you gave us, it didn't pan out. And here you have it. And he says, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Uh, get them ready. And, and th- this is often what we think, you know. It's like, you know, we're going to get the nets out. And then, you know, Simon Peter probably thinks he's got to go in the water and kind of push the fish into the nets. It's like, no, just put the nets out. Just put them out. You've been doing it all night. But you've got to do it again 
Sometimes you do things with all the right intentions, but God's just not in it. And now he's gonna say, I'm in it. And he's gonna show him such a catch in Simon answer. This is how Simon answers, master. And by the way, this is the first time that master shows up in the New Testament. And he says, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. It's kind of like, why are you trying to frustrate me? We've been doing all this. What's, what do you, what's the point here? It's like, we, don't you understand? We've been doing this all along and there's nothing out there. It's like he thinks that the Lord might be trying to frustrate him or doesn't understand him or doesn't really know his situation, but the Lord is gonna bring a major deliverance to him. His whole life is gonna change in like a few paragraphs here, which is, you know, a period of time, a few hours. It's all going to change, but it feels like the Lord is bringing him down a trial that makes no sense. And you may be facing something similar where you're going, man, I've tried to find the fruitfulness. And you might even be looking at your job and going, come on, God, take care of me. And you're praying, oh, God, help our business grow. And God's going to abundantly blow him away with this business. And then he's going to say, now I want you to let the business go. Now you know I can handle it but this isn't what you're called to do. This is not an easy call, is it? Number three, Jesus overwhelms you. Listen to Peter's response. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. So it's like he had enough of confidence. Because you say so, I'm gonna gonna trust it. It doesn't make any sense, but because you say so. You know, you open God's word and you start reading through it. You go, Lord, this doesn't make sense. But because you say so. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I go, but Lord, I've been Googling everything. I know everything about everything. I got to go with my wisdom, right? Gather my knowledge. He's going, I want you to just trust me. Go this direction. And it's like the Lord wants us to follow him. Can you just say this word with me, when? One more time, just say when. 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 And obedience works this way, doesn't it? When they had done so. When they did it. When they had done so. It's just a small thing. They didn't, you know, get new lure for the fish. They didn't buy new poles. They didn't, you know, find some special magnetism that would attract them or some genetic aroma that would sort of draw the fish in. Nothing like that. All they did was obey what the Lord said. Throw the nets down. Just put them down there. And that's what they did. And it says, when they had done so. Why are you going to do this? Because you said so. You said so, so I'll do it. And when they had done so... They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. You know, when they, when, they, when they heard him, they said, because you said so. You know, as a father, when your kids are younger, you're telling them stuff for their own good. But they don't understand everything. You know, you got to do this and don't touch that. Why? Why not touch this? It's kind of like, ah! You know, because there's a reason. Because guess what? Our Heavenly Father knows some things that we don't know. How many say amen? He knows things that we don't know. He knows what eternity looks like. We don't. We get glimpses, right? A picture. Now we see dimly as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face, as 1 Corinthians says. 
When they done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So it's really squeezing on the nets. Then they're pulling it. They signal their partners. And I love this because this miracle is Simon's. You're going to see it. He's directing it at Simon over and over again. But it says he gets their partner, so they get the other boat. And I love it because when God started working in my life, getting a hold of me, he didn't want to just get a hold of me. He got a hold of my friends too. Okay, I was raised an atheist and I was a partier and all that. And, and God delivered me from these things. And guess what? He goes, and I got some of your buddies too. You know, how many say amen to that? Right? And it's like, you know, it's hard, it's hard when I, I meet people who are raised in the church. They, sometimes they think they have a measure of goodness. I'm glad when I came to the Lord, I knew I was the big loser I was. You know, because in any grace I had, I knew I didn't earn any of it. And it says they signal their partners in the boat in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Imagine that they're, you know, one minute they put out their nets. They've been working hard all day. It's like religious work. You know, you're working so hard. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be disciplined. And you do all the good. But, but the Lord then says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You're leaning. It's not that you're sitting around. It's that your heart is leaning. Instead of trust in your abilities, it's going trust in the power of God. Trust in the transformation of God. So instead of earning your way through it, you're experiencing the grace of God. They're working to get this fish. They're working to provide. They're working to try to fulfill why they've been made. I'm I'm a fisherman. This is what I do. You know, empower me. And God brings them to a weakness. They've been doing it all night. This is a repetition and a theme right there in the New Testament. They were doing this and nothing resulted. And God goes, watch. And boom. The boat's literally stuck. Fish is probably in the underside everywhere. And the boat's starting to make its way down. It's like God's making a point. I can take care of you if I want to. How many say amen to this? This is no small thing. Because, amen. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Yes. This is a hallelujah, amen. I can't believe it. I'm just just flowing with it, man. Just flowing with it. But listen, the world, when, when Jesus says, when he's on the Sermon on the Mount and he says, you know, you seek after this and you seek after this. And he goes, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness. All these other things that the pagans are running after, they will be added to you as well. But don't be like them. Look at the lilies of the field. Does he not, you know, doesn't he not clothe them? Look at the, you know, look at, you know, even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. You know, there's something about knowing that God can provide you. And I, I can almost see, if it was me, and, and, and I've been, I, I worked at a company called the Learning Company, an educational company, which and we merged with about seven or eight companies. We were about 4,500 people when I left, and I was head of a lot of the creative and R&D departments at the time. And I watched that company grow, and, you know, I saw my own stocks grow in certain ways. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's like, Lord, you can bless me with this. And then God changing my heart. Like, this doesn't matter. You know, what matters is people. What matters is the kingdom of God. 
What, what matters is righteousness. I'm not talking about being right. I'm talking about being righteous, about being filled with life and love. How many say this is true? Come on, this is true. And, and, and he, he's, he could easily, Peter could easily see all this fish and just go, you know what? God's going to bless my business. Look at this. And then I could just see him preaching, you know, come to the Lord. You know, we'll put Peter's face on a bus and tour him around, you know, like some of these, you know, some of these oddball things that show up. And it's kind of like, be blessed in your business just by, you know, serving God, and then he'll bless your business a hundredfold. This isn't the lesson Jesus is going to give, but this is the lesson that we as human beings would probably take. The Lord bless me. And I love this. The harvest is bigger than he can handle. It's huge. It's massive. It's impressive. It's so much so that he recognizes that Jesus is something special. And he sees that. Let, let me give you one parallel here later on. Matthew 14, 29. It's a parallel. Uh, this really nutshells in, in Matthew's gospel. This is when Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water. Jesus says, come on, walk on the water. He sees Jesus and he walks, literally walks on the water. He's defying the laws of gravity. You know, hydrogen, oxygen is, is keeping him afloat with, with not enough density, but yet he's walking on it. And, and Jesus tells him to come. He listens to him. He responds. This is Peter's next lesson. And then when he saw the wind and the waves, you know, he sees that he was afraid. There's that word phobos where we get phobia or phobame, the, the verb form of this. He was fearing and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Uh, imagine Jesus Christ, the son of God, who has power at his disposal, looks at us doubting sometimes and looks just with an inquisitiveness as, why did you doubt? Why, why, why didn't you think I was going to come through? Of course I was going to come through. And listen, I'm not pointing this at you. I have these things in my own life where God's challenging me and I'm going, Lord, I, you know, I believe you in my mind. Like, got to believe God. Everything he says is true. But all of a sudden in real life, it hits me and I go, God, are you going to come through? How many can relate to me here? No, you're the only one, Pastor. You're the only one. <laughs> Why did you doubt? And let's continue. Number four, Jesus doesn't only know you, he accepts you. Number four, when Simon Peter saw this, now he sees all the provision and the provision is abundant. And what's his response? Because if the Lord has come to you and he's spoken to you, trust me, you can fool everyone else. But if you have your own sin, whether it's lust in your heart or pride in your heart or whatever it is, an arrogance or whatever, it, whatever the Lord convicts you, a bitterness, an unforgiveness in relationships, the Lord knows, and Simon Peter sees this, he falls at his knees, right? You get that word proskuneo, a falling, it's a worshiping. And he says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. It's reflective of Isaiah 6, where Isaiah you know, the great prophet leader comes to him and he bows before the throne of heaven. And he says, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. And what he's saying is, Lord, I got a foul mouth. And I live with people with foul mouths. And the Lord really reaches from heaven with that coal and just touches him. 
just a heavenly touch, boom, and it's like, be purified, right? Be touched by me. And he said, and I love this because Peter knows exactly who he is. I am a sinful man. Well, in our culture, and especially in our religious culture, in our own religious cultures, we know that, you know, it's like, I'm a sinful man. You see a person goes, man, I'm really struggling. You know, that's the person everyone wants to throw stones at or condemn. But that's the person who's coming clean. That's the person who's coming to God in sincerity. Isaiah or David cries out in the Psalms, created me, Lord, a clean heart. You can't say that if you're pretending you already have one. Do I hear an amen on this? You know, you can fool everybody, but God knows the heart. And by the way, I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. (laughs) Okay? It's like they were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And I love this. And so were James and John. You know, it isn't Simon Peter saw it. You know, it's like the Lord's pulled him out. Simon Peter saw this. You think let's get in Simon Peter's boat. Well, guess what? He's getting in your boat. And he's talking to you. And it may be what I'm preaching on, but the Holy Spirit can work without my voice. Right? He doesn't need me just reading his scriptures. He can speak to you at, the, at home. He can speak to you in the car. He can speak to you in the heart. And it says, and so were James and John, you know. He didn't just get Eric Van Reed, but he got his friend Pete, and he got his friend Steve, and he got his friend Joe. And God started working, and he started working in his family, you know. Jesus calls sinful men into discipleship. I'm so thankful. I would have loved when the Lord called me that I had everything all together, and I'm a heck of a lot more pure than I was back then. You know, I, I don't walk with any open sin, you know, that I'm aware of, you know, some grotesque sin. I still have pride and things like that I'm struggling with. But you know what's awesome? Jesus doesn't leave sinful men sinful, does he? How many, you know, th- there's this fine line between acceptance and approval. On one sense, through the cross, our sins are forgiven. He, the book of Hebrews paints a picture where the, the son is offered to the father. He who knew no sin became sin for us and was offered to the Father. And the Father received that sacrifice on your behalf. Isn't that amazing? That means in some senses, at that moment, we were accepted by the Lord. But we know that we're justified by our faith, believing in what he has done. And the Bible says that we're also justified by the grace and by his blood. And that work becomes real. He's prepared us for works. So he accepts us immediately. But that doesn't mean he looks at our sin and says, oh, I approve that sin. It means he accepts us despite our sin. And we're accepted. How many say amen? Amen. But he still sees the things we're struggling with. And he says, let's deal with this. Let's deal with this. Let's be made whole. You know, the word soterio, soteriology, which is the word we get salvation, or the verb form, the sozo, means to be made whole or to be put back to original purpose. When God is conforming us to the image of a son, he's saying, I'm trying to conform you, Eric, Kenny. I'm trying to conform you to the image that the Lord is like. You know, we see the fruits of the Spirit like joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. The Lord's saying, I want to make you like this. They were astonished by this. Number five, Jesus saves you. 
I want you to get the picture here as I close this message and we move to the baptism. Jesus has taken Peter's workload and basically said, I'll totally blow you away. Go to the place you were working really hard, but this time I'm with you and I'm going to blow you away. And the answer isn't for Peter, oh, this is my new work job. No, the answer here is, guess what? I'm taking you down a different path. You need to know that I can provide at any time in any way. And if God calls you to be a minister, and guess what? I know in our culture, you see me as the minister, Eric the minister, Eric and Jody as the pastor, but you are the minister and the pastor and the leader. All of us are ministers of the Lord. Amen? You know, in the Old Testament, there'd be one or two or three or four prophetic leaders or kings that had the anointing and power of God. But in the New Testament, he says, and I pour my spirit on all the believers, all the people. The the fact that we have the spirit in us. Amen? It isn't just God out there anymore, like with Abraham where he's talking to him. And it's not just Christ when he was on the earth where they said he's Emmanuel, God with us. But now he's in us. Say he's in me. And, and the church is about him being through us, that he's living this way through us. And, and, and he says here, now here he's going to, Simon's going, man, I'm a sinner. Get away from me. You do not realize who I am. You're trying to call me into something, and you don't know who I am. I am a sinful man. Trust me. And I love this. Jesus says to him, Simon, don't be afraid. And I love this. I could give you the rest of the sentence, but let me just say this part. From now on, just say it with me. From now on, there's a transition. Don't be afraid. Again, phobos. It's like, don't be fearful. Don't be living in fear. I mean, men fear everything. They fear the stock market. They fear where America's going. Oh, what about our economy? What about this? Fear God. And I'm telling you, he will get rid of all the other fears. Because you'll know that he is the one. He's the one that loves you. The stock market doesn't love me. Trust me. (laughs) It doesn't matter how many candlesticks and all kinds of stuff. I've tried looking at all kinds of things. I found out in the end it doesn't know what I want. Right? And, And maybe you're some kind of whiz. But I'm telling you, we fear the Lord. Amen? There is no fear in love, 1 John says. I don't know if you have that scripture up there or not. But if you don't, that's okay. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. That's why the Lord says, don't be afraid, right? You know, your hairs are all numbered. You're worth more than sparrows. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. And then the last point here, Jesus calls you. One of the reasons why we don't do a lot of things at the adventure Christian church here, and we're not just a church unto ourselves. You know, we, we, we partner with every church that follows the name of Jesus Christ and has their faith in him alone. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will what? You will what? You will catch men. You know, it's one thing to make a living, and it's one thing to invest in the people that God loves. It's one thing to see and understand the kingdom and what they were. Jesus says, follow me. The reason we don't just have, do you want to sign up for this or sign up for that? that is because of the fact that they're, and I'm not saying we never do it, but I'm just saying that the Lord will call you. He has a way of calling you and getting a hold of your heart and saying, I see that. I see what you're doing. 
Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. You know, I think that if this was a, you know, I like Zig Ziglar, but, you know, one of those business guru guys that you find in Barnes & Noble, that's where everyone gets their wisdom. They don't turn to the word anymore. They go to the Barnes & Nobles and go to the, you know, how to be a better you section, more, more so than trusting the scriptures. But I think if the scripture would fit in those words, it would be, and from now on, you get to get bigger boats because look at how many fish you caught. Wow. You can catch bigger fish and pretty soon you're going to have your own reality TV show. Check it out. We're now heading over to where they catch more fish. Johnny, what do you think? I was totally blown away when the fish were here, man. I was tripping out and so was my buddy, right? And then they go, what do you think? Well, there was all kind of fish. What color were the fish? But Jesus gives you this miracle that says, yes, I can take care of you. But this isn't the direction for your life. This isn't your pursuit, mammon. And you think I'm lying? The scripture says you cannot serve God and money. You will either be devoted to one and hate the other or the other way around. This isn't me. I'm no wise man. This is just, these are just the New Testament scriptures from Christ himself. Those are words that Jesus said. Listen to what he says. From now on, you will catch men. And look, look at Peter, just like Elisha. Elisha drops everything, has a big feast, and says, let's go. I'm going to pursue. And I'm not trying to tell you that that's what it is for you. I'm not going to try to manipulate you or presume that I know. All I'm saying is that are you open to hear from the Lord? And those that are, can you say amen? Amen. Are you open to hear from God? Are you? Do you believe he can speak to you? My sheep hear my voice. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore. Then what'd they do? What'd they do? What did they do? Yeah, it's okay to verbally respond. They left everything and they followed him. It doesn't say they left everything and they started attending church. That may be one thing that you do. You know, it's like, you know that the people of God meet. I'm talking about in the heart when you wake up in the morning. It's like, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to listen for your voice. I'm going to open your word and look to your text. Not as a religious work to try to get you accepted by God. You are accepted by God through what he did. We do it as a response to the grace of God. Right? Any faith will produce real works. Amen? Right? Any faith that's not that faith is not a real faith. You know, the Bible says that. And it says they left everything and followed him. That's what our baptism is going to be about. Amen? It's it's about, it's going to be a group of people who have heard the gospel message. They're not getting saved by their baptism because the baptism, like Paul says, it's an outward sign, but an inward work. We get saved. Jesus says, anyone who has believed in me has just passed, right? That's a a past participle. He has just passed into life, right? Anyone who believes in me shall not perish they won't be corruptible they won't fade they won't just be mortality but they'll be clothed in immortality they'll be clothed in righteousness